0: Let's do the invitation first. With your eyes bowed, your, heads, your eyes closed, and your heads bowed. How many of you could use just a little bit of prayer this morning? Just put your hand up in the air. Well, it's about everybody. Let's pray for you right now. Father, there are those that are brokenhearted right now, there are those that have anxiety cares wow they they must be human it's kind of seen we carry these things around with us just as life is I ask now that your grace be extended to them your care and your strength and your comfort Father we think of people around the world who they got a lot worse problems than we got. They got a lot bigger burdens. I'd ask that you would be with them. Those in Turkmenistan, Pakistan, these countries that get acid thrown in their face, they get families kidnapped. Serve and care. I pray you to continue to bring blessing and fruit through them. Thank you for your word, for all that's going to be a part of what we've done what we're doing today. Thank you that the one you're the one we can go to because so much for just your honesty this morning. Hopefully you'll be encouraged as we look at the word of God. Um, got my, my little friend up here. He, he keeps coming back, man. He's, he's just excited. <laughs> I was pretty excited about what happened last week and our Easter services. Thank you so much for being a part of that. What a great, great weekend. Not just Sunday, right? But Saturday too. Thank you for all of you who, who came and made uh, Saturday night a part of your weekend, and came back on Sunday. Or if you didn't come back, that's all right too. But thank you so much for that. Matter of fact, on Sunday night, um, we had the greatest attendance of adults in here. On Saturday night, I'm sorry. On Saturday night, we had the greatest attendance of adults of all the services. We had 170 in here, and the 8:15 service we had 155. And we had 158 in the 11 or 10 o'clock service. So uh, Saturday night, you know, was a winner. Uh, I don't know that that means that all those people would come back any Saturday night. But uh, thank you so much for supporting that so well. It was just a great, great weekend. The largest service was the 11 o'clock service when you count kids and people in the, the nursery in that area, about 190 for that, yeah, 190 in that service, 150. Uh, 158 in the 815 service and 176. We only had six kids in our nursery and adults at that time. So uh, thank you so much for being a part of that. Can I get my slides on the back too? Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Aiden. I appreciate that. Hey, we we didn't have a lot of people fill out this card, you know, that connection card. And um, we really only had two. Out of all the guests, we only had two people fill out the card. Um, But we had a lot of families who came whose parents said to their kids, you're going to church with me on Easter. (laughs) <laughs> you did a great job of inviting your, your family to come with you. Thank you so much for that and the, what God did there. And it was good to see the, the families together. My prayer is that some of them will come back. prayer all week has been that some of them would come back and join with us uh, this week as moms and dads have invited them. I also want to thank you. You know, your, um, your sins and your burdens, they all seem to be gone what Jesus does for us, the forgiveness that he offered as you came and you lined up and you put your burdens and your sins on the cross last week, Um, great response to that. Thank you for stepping out again, being bold to step out and to be a part of it. Um, As Pastor Simon mentioned, Haven School of Dance uh, will be sharing worship dance with us in just a little bit. Two beautiful songs, Glorious Day, um, which we sang last week, and also um, uh, True Love, speaking about both of them, Give the Gospel gospel that comes as we think about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension on our behalf. So they'll be sharing with us at at the end of the service today. Um, But I just want to tell you this. um, There were over 300 people here Friday night for that concert. And probably many of them probably don't go to church. It was quite as many on yesterday, two concerts, one and four, but probably you put them all together, probably there's close to 700 people that came for those concerts. We gave them invites, put a half sheet on every other chair to vacation Bible school, to clubs, to our services. Pray that God would use that powerful way. They heard about Jesus in the last few days and it was amazing. We have 216 chairs in here right now and uh, we brought in at least 70 chairs and there were people out in the lobby counting the dancers there are probably 350 people here friday night as a part of that the biggest outreach we've had all year long (laughs) people coming so uh, pray that god would speak into their lives they would understand the message that was given and that they would respond and come to know the lord jesus christ because he came and he spoke to them over those times so in those invitations you passed out in your neighborhood for Easter, just pray God would use it somehow. They'd remember that you passed those out and your care and your love for them because Jesus came to their door through you, his hands and his feet through you. So well done, team. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. It's great to be a part of what God's going to do in this time, but also in the days and weeks to come as God moves in our lives. So uh, we talked about the cross last few weeks. We talked about we need to look to the cross. We need to cling to the cross, right? We drew the cross like this in our hands and then we grabbed on to it like this. And then we said we need to nail it to the cross. We need to nail our sins and our burdens to the cross. Do everything we can. Get to the cross as fast as you can. Evaluate everything in your life in light of the cross and what it means to us and what Jesus Christ did to us. So today we're going to look at more promises of God. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. So you might already be there. You might have read the email and saw that's where we're going to go. I hope that you will take advantage of that as it comes your way on Thursday or Friday, whenever I get it done. and we get it sent out, it gives you where we're going, a little bit of where we're going. So hopefully you've had a chance to read it. You might even know this passage fairly well. So 1 Peter chapter 5, you've got your tablet, your phone, your Bible. If not, you can just listen to it. 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll read verses 1 through 7. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you Yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He, at the proper time, He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because what? He cares for you. So Peter gives this command. The command is to be humble. Under the mighty hand of God, to be humble. And he starts out by talking to the leaders, to those who are leading the church. And God gives his instructions for how to do that. It's in First Timothy chapter 3. It's in Titus chapter 1. Godly men, men pursuing godliness, are the ones who are to lead us and to guide us and to help us and direct us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives all the things that are there, don't domineer, don't lord it over, people do it willingly, not under compulsion, all the things that we're supposed to do as leaders. And it's a privilege to be able to lead as God has gifted us and God has given us these abilities, we'll call our shape, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, our experience, these things to lead and to direct the body of Christ, the church of Christ. And we don't do it, we don't do it as domineering, as it says. We do it as leader servants, one who set the example, this is how we should live, this is how we should serve one another, this is how we should care for one another. Tonight, we're going to have that opportunity to add to our elder team. When we confirm Jason to become serve with us, Jason Brashear, to come and to serve with us, the other four men who are serving right now is, as elders on the elder team. We have our deacon team, so grateful. They've made so many phone calls. We have a Zoom call every first of the month on a Monday night, and they go through the list of all these people they've called and all these people they've sought to care for. Man, it just, it, I walk away at 7 o'clock, 6 to 7, I walk away so encouraged. Like, Men are ministering and loving and caring, and the opportunity to serve in that way. It is such a blessing. It's been so encouraging. But we serve... We serve as leaders and servants. We as pastors servants, leaders, but servants in that. And we count it a great privilege to be able to do that and look forward to others joining with us and being a part of that, what God has for us. So thank you for coming tonight. I'll give another advertisement for that right now. <laughs> we need you to be here tonight. Come and support the team. You're a member. You've made a commitment to that. You filled out a covenant that said you'll participate. We need you to do that. It's valuable to us. It's valuable to you to be a part of what God's doing and sharing together. So we as leader servants, he speaks, first of all, he says, leader servants, lead this way. Be humble under the mighty hand of God. But then he goes on in verse 3 and verse 4, he says, now to you younger ones, you need to be subject to those who are leading you as leader servants. Be submissive to them. Honor them. Uh, We all know this. We all know that In our lives, it is amazing how wise and how smart we got between the age of 18 and about 35. (laughs) I mean, you know, most of us at 18, 21, we we thought we really knew a lot. Okay, maybe not you, me. Okay, I'll take you out of the equation here, right? Well, we all know how that goes. We're trying to develop our independence. We're trying to, you know, honor God and honor our parents and figure out how to do all this. But it's amazing how much we learn during that time. And that's why he says to these younger ones, he says, listen, these men have experience. These people have experience that you need to learn from. Valuable things that you can put into your heart and guide you for the rest of your life. So I say to you, younger people, live humbly. Be subject to those who are seeking to live humbly as leader servants and learn from them so that you can benefit your life for the rest of your time that God has for you. And then he kind of wraps it up and he says, now to all of you, maybe you thought you weren't gonna get mentioned here, right? To all of you, if you're, if you're not in that kind of category of younger, if you're not in that category of leader-servant, he says to them, he says, I want you to do the same thing, just as we've called them to do, to be leader-servants, to be humbly, humble. To you younger men, I want you to be subject to those who are leading you. Now, all of you do what? Clothe yourself with humility. Put it on. Make sure that it's noticeable. And when people see you, they, they, they see the Lord through you. They see what he's doing in you, and they see a humble man. They see a humble woman, a, a humble teenager, a humble child. And you are learning from those who are older as leader servants. You're also learning from those younger men because they too are putting on humility. So all of us, let's put on humility toward one another and care for one another as Jesus would have us care for you. He goes on in verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If we don't live this way, if we don't live humbly, he says, you're going to be opposed by God. So the question is, so which side of God do you want to be on? His opposition or His grace? Yeah, I think so. I figured most of you would vote for that. Right? We don't want to be under His opposition. We don't want to be under His judgment, under His discipline, because we choose to live the way we want to live. No, we want to experience God's amazing, relentless grace toward us. He says, you can do that. You can be a part of that. This is going to be the case if you will live humbly toward him and under his mighty hand in subjection to him, in submission to him. Ah, to bask in his grace. This says in Ephesians, he lavishes his grace upon us. Not just a little bit, Lavishes his grace upon us, that that unearned favor, that the blessing of his, he lavishes upon us. Man, that is a really good place to be. Would you agree with me? Yeah, it's a really good place to be. This this over here under his opposition, no, no, not a good place to be, not at all. Over here under the umbrella of his grace, what a beautiful place. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So, you got a piece of paper there? Take just a moment. I would like for you to write down a definition of humility. Would you you do that? Your little piece of paper there. This is going to require a piece of paper and a pen. Unless you're really good at writing in invisible ink. (laughs) Write down your definition of Humility. And I'll come back and I'll share some of the things that I've read over this past past week. What is humility? Maybe you draw a picture of what it looks like. Just give a little bit of thought to that. Share one. Living a life of deference, okay? Be submissive, okay? Obedience, Obedience. alright? Good. Always always last. First to serve. Mm, like that. Good not proud? Yeah. Loving? Okay. Teachable? Yeah. What's that? To listen, okay? That's hard for me to listen. So, <laughs> getting old here. <laughs> Helping others? What's that? Guilt, okay. What's that? What's that? Not always right. Oh, my goodness. Come on, Keith. <laughs> oh,
1: not always right.
0: Okay, well, okay, so you got most of them I got on there uh, freedom from pride. Uh, One, I read this way. True humility is to see ourselves as we actually are, fallen in sin and helpless without God. That's a pretty good theological definition there. Um, Biblical humility means believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion, including your own. It requires embracing who you are in Christ over who you are in the flesh. To be biblically humble is to be so free of concern for your own ego that you unreservedly elevate those around you kind of what you said. True humility is rooted in the character of God. This is an article from Forbes a magazine. Uh, it said this, to be humble is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. I mean, we have worth in, in Christ, right? We have, we have worth even without Christ. I mean, every person has worth. They're created in the image of God. They have worth. So we don't want to minimize who we are, but we also want to say, you're valuable. You're more important. And I'm going to elevate you. Um, uh, I like this. Decisions are made from shared purpose rather than self-interest. I think about how this will impact other people and to benefit them. Humble people. Who said listen? Somebody said listen back there. And I, there it is. Okay. Oh, there, Harrison. Humble people Listen. I thought that was really good. Humble people take time to say thank you. They start sentences with you rather than I. They assume responsibility. They ask questions or they ask for help. A humble person is a servant. Anybody pray for your kids or grandkids today from this list? Here's what you prayed, the 24th, servant's heart. Thank you, Lord back there in the track. Grab, grab this. Pray this over your kids and your grandkids as I did this morning. 31 Biblical Virtues to Pray Over Your Kids. It gives you every way, every every day, something to pray specifically for your kids, yourself involved in your life. I love this little one. Oh, it's, it's on here somewhere. Unselled. I saw that somewhere. A humble person is unselled. <laughs> that was not about me. A humble person is one who is selfless rather than sell fish, right? Um, a humble person makes time for and puts effort into people and the Lord. And this is my, my thought. I am not sure you can express humility without relating to people. Are you really humble if you don't relate to people? Because that's where you're going to find out if you're really humble is when you're around people. Uh, I I wrote these down. For the verbal person, like me, for the verbal person, humility could mean not voicing an opinion about something. For the quiet person, humility might mean saying something rather than remaining quiet. (laughs) For the extrovert, humility might mean not making sure everyone knows you are in the room. For the introvert, humility could mean letting someone know you were in the room. (laughs) I wrote those. I thought they were pretty good. (laughs) Yes. Okay, Dave, you're up. They're right here. They're right here, Dave. Love it. Love it. Stay home. (laughs) Okay, you got me. Good job, Dave. That's awesome. See how hard it is to be humble? (laughs) This humble thought is also voiced in James chapter four, verses six to ten. Why don't you read it with me? But he gives more grace. Therefore it says. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> this, this guy named James hanging around Jesus, this guy named Peter hanging around Jesus, both give us the same thought. Hmm. They must have learned something from Jesus. <laughs> must have heard something he said through the it's quite possible that they take this verse James and Peter it's quite possible they were referring back to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34 where it says toward the scorners he is scornful but to the humble he gives favor it sounds a lot like that as they're thinking back not just to their time with Jesus but they also knowing the old testament scriptures they understand that they can take what's there and they can Put it into their words as God led them to put together Scripture and give us what he wanted for us. Proverbs 11, 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble, there is wisdom. Wisdom, I define it this way, skill or expertise in godly living. That's what Solomon was trying to teach his sons. To be skilled, to be experts in godly living. Proverbs 16, 8 You know this one, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. (laughs) And then there's John 13. One of the greatest pictures of humility. Oh, nobody washed your feet? I'll do it. you shouldn't do it. You're Jesus. No, no. I'll do it. This is right. This is proper. This is what a servant does. Even though he didn't say that. He just did it. What a beautiful, Country might try this one. 2 Chronicles 7 14. You know what the verse 4 says? You know, if you have drought, if pestilence comes to you, and you're seeing all these things in your country, this is what you need to do. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal, I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. trying all sorts of things to make grain and have crops. And if we just maybe try this one, it, it might just work. We try all sorts of things, right? But maybe we should try this one as a country and as a people. I know our country is not my people I understand that, but I think the promise would go to people who don't know Jesus too. To a country, if this is what we would do, if it humbles us, God could provide these things that we so desperately need. Maybe we should write our presidents, write our legislatures, say, hey, let's try this one. This one might just really work. Humble yourself. Another author said, depends demands believers not just passive resignation, but active cooperation, like a patient submits to a doctor. If this is what you need to do. Okay, I'll submit to that. This is what I need to do to, to have to be have more health. Be intentional. William Law said this you can have no greater sign of confirmed pride than when you think you're humble enough. I love this little saying fits with humility and how we respond. I'm Kay's um, door out there in her office. Everyone you meet is facing a battle you know nothing about. So be kind always. You don't know the battles people are facing. As we're humble and as we care for them in kindness, God can do a good work. Okay, I wrote down some thoughts on practicing humility. So now I wanna be upfront with you on this. If your toes get stepped on, please understand there's probably some other people that their toes are getting stepped on too, okay? I'm not singling anybody out. I just wrote down a whole list of things that I think we could practice humility. Here I go. Love the kids around you. They may not be your thing, but love them anyway. Ignore things that might bother you. Smile or thank those who serve you. I love being able to do that go in a store. Thank you for serving me. They look at you with big old white oak eyes. <laughs> what? Let the driver in when you're driving. <laughs> Humble yourself. Give a cash gift to someone in need. Quit making facial expressions that indicate your displeasure. Invite your neighbors to church. Lend your car or tools. Ask someone if they need help. Read the Bible or a book to your spouse or family. Step away from the TV serve. Participate in Be the Church on Memorial Day Sunday as we go out into our community and tell them that Jesus loves them by fixing their fence or whatever it is. Participate in the Iwana Award Program. You mean I have kids in there, but could you come and support our kids and our leaders who are discipling our kids? That would be a humble statement. Could you disciple our kids in the preschool department? We need you. We could use you. They could use you. Could you start a small group? Could you teach a Sunday school class? Could you humble yourself and offer to help in your Sunday school class and help those teachers and assist them? Maybe you need to start attending Sunday school or come back to attending Sunday school. Maybe you could be a big brother or sister to one of our youth. You have much to offer him. To. Maybe it could be your goal to humbly greet someone, every, someone new every week in the worship service. Write down their name and then greet them again next week with the name. Maybe, um, maybe they did pretty good today. Maybe you could sit up front in the worship service. <laughs> maybe you can invite someone to coffee or lunch. Maybe you could quit complaining about fill in the blank. You could serve as a greeter. You could come early and greet people in your neighborhood. At 815 team, you are doing so great at walking around and greeting people. It's like we have a greeting time again. We don't really have a greeting time. But before the service, you're, you're, you're nailing it. You're just moving around, caring for people, loving people. Good job, team. Thank you so much for doing that. We need that. Well done. Maybe you just make it your goal that you would encourage one person every day by calling, texting, or writing. Maybe you could pick up trash on your street because it's all over the place after the last few days, right? <laughs> you could pray with your spouse or children. You could financially support a missionary like Kurt and Sue. They didn't say anything about but that's how, that's how they live. Now, if our financial gifts, our church's gifts, other churches' gifts, individuals are part of that. Could be a part of their team. Share together. Um, how about this one? Maybe when you're talking with people you could put your phone away. And they would say you're more important than that person who's texting me because they are. they're right there before you. Uh, this one, this one I was writing this one down. car went by my office with the stereo blasting. Turn your stereo down. <laughs> it's like oh, sorry. Use words that build up rather than tear down, as I just didn't do. (laughs) Sing when it's time to sing. Give when it's time to give. Fill out a connection card with a. Maybe humble yourself and fill out a connection card. That would be so cool. We we get really excited when we meet to pray. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday. What what days? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. When we meet to pray, we get a new card. I mean, we're, we get really excited about it. They've never filled out a card before. Yes. Surprise us this week. It'd be great. Um, give and accept help. Mm, that can be really hard to do sometimes, right? So I, I had this picture. You've probably been looking at it. So this is Seth Connor. Uh, Seth is on the left. He comes to church here. This is at the Iwana Games big, big uh, deal. Um, so he sent me this picture. It's his sister, Janelle, who comes to church here, sent me this picture. And uh, I thought it was significant about humility. Um, Seth has just knocked this guy down, trying to get to the pins. I'm really kidding. Okay? <laughs> they, they run around the circle. That's what the circle's for here. That's one of the games. They run around the circle, and in the middle they put pins. And so you, as a team, usually it's a, a team race, it's a relay, and they run around the circle and then when the last person gets to where he's supposed to enter the circle, they dive for the pins and whoever gets it gets first. He's been racing against this guy for years and they want to close. And this is like at a high school somewhere up, my, up in Colorado Springs or somewhere up there. And uh, here he is after, the, after chasing the pin down to a competitor, saying, let me help you. And that was a beautiful picture of humility when he sent that to me just a few weeks ago. Seth's, I think, 18. He'll be maybe in the second service. Seth texts text, text me almost every day and asks how he can pray for me. It's a lot of humility for a young guy. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord and what? He will lift you up. He will exalt you in his time. I think 1 Peter 5 and James 4 sound a lot like Jesus' words in Luke chapter 14. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Psalm twenty five nine, He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. Proverbs eighteen twelve, before destruction a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. And then the great picture, not just of Jesus washing your feet, but Jesus on the cross in Philippians chapter two. Have this attitude in yourself, have this mind in yourself that Jesus, who went to the cross for us, humbled himself, he took on flesh, he became a man was obedient. And he went to the cross for us. Humbling himself. And what does it say? And therefore God will exalt him, right? The name above all name. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow to the glory of God the Father. Bill Hybels puts it this way. He descended into greatness. That's humility. He would go to the cross for you and for me. And out of that, he did what is said here. God exalted him, gave him that name, a deserved name, obviously, for what he has done for us. So this is the promise of God. If you humble yourself in the Lord's mighty hand under his direction, he will exalt you at the proper time or the time that he deems best for you. Then he goes on and he says, we finish up here. Then he goes on and he says, Cast your cares on him. Or cast your anxieties, as it says in the esv Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We can't we can't throw off our cares, our troubles. They're on us. They're 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 part of us. We can't cast them off because they're going to be a part of human life here on earth. But we can cast them on Jesus. I can't cast them off. They're here. You're dealing with them. You raised your hand and said, I got these cares. I got these anxieties. But we can't cast them on Jesus. Cast your cares on him. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares When you're under the umbrella of humility, when you live humbly, it's going to be a lot easier to cast your cares and anxieties on Him. Because if you're not living that way, if you don't do the first part, the first six verses, if we don't live that way, then basically we're going to say to God, I got it. Lord, I don't need you. I got it. But instead, what do we need to say you need to say, Lord, you got it. Lord, you got it. I, I, I know these are the things of life, but I need to give them to you. I need to pass them from my shoulders over to your shoulders. And I'm telling you right now, God's got big enough shoulders to handle your issues. He has big enough shoulders to handle your issues. So cast them on his shoulders. Take them off your shoulders and give them to him. Why? Because he cares for you. Came across this statement. Other religions with their many ceremonies are commonly occupied with the business of making God, their God, care. That's why they have what they do. We have to help our God. We have to learn that he cares for us while Christianity begins with and is meant to build upon the confidence that God does care. We have that presupposition. We have that assumption that God does care. We don't have to try to help figure out that, God, you need to care for me. No, He cares for you as a believer, as one in His family. He cares for you. So give it to Him. Just like you did last week. Give it to Him. You might have put it up here last week. And it was gone for a little bit, but then, you know, during the week you would have said, Oh, Lord. I, I think I gotta handle this myself. And you took it back. Because we do that all the time. Gotta give it to you. Yes, good, good. That was Sunday, but then Monday we go, no, I I, I think I think oh, I, I I yeah, God, we can we can I, I can handle this. You know it. We all do that. So keep nailing it to the cross. Keep putting it up there clinging to the cross, just keep giving it to him because he cares for you. I read this statement last week. I'm going to change a word. I'm going to put care instead of love. They'd be the same word. You could use them synonymously. God's care is uninfluenced. By this, the author says, I mean that nothing in us can give rise to it and nothing in us can extinguish it. The care which we humans have for one another is drawn out of us by something in the object of our care. But God's care is not like that. His care is free, spontaneous, and uncaused. If you look for a reason, you won't find one. He cares because He cares. He cares because he cares. So give it to him. Give it to him right now. Bow your head In humility, just give it to him. Open your hands. A sign of releasing it. And whatever that thing is that's got you troubled give it to him once again because his promise is cast your cares upon him for he cares for you Lord as we started this service we I started my sermon we prayed were the issues and cares. It's quite possible that in the 35, 38 minutes however long I've spoke, that a bunch more cares have all of a sudden ganged up on people. And so we're going to give them to you again. Because you care. And you've demonstrated your care by what you did on the cross for us. One of the things the cross tells us is that we are not alone. Because you did the work for us. So, Father, as we give our cares to you, and now we celebrate what a glorious day it will be someday. Because of all that you've done for us, and we celebrate your true love for us, what you did in the cross and the resurrection, and your ascension on our behalf. We want to worship you. We thank you that you care for us. In Jesus' name.